Welcome to Living Yin, a podcast series that seeks to enlighten you about yin yoga, Chinese medicine, philosophy, and meditation. I'm Truth Robinson, and I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine and a yin yoga and meditation teacher. This podcast series seeks to unite the yin yoga practice, the anatomical theory that surrounds it, and the Chinese medicine theory which brings it all to life. My goal is to demystify Chinese medicine and to offer anatomical concepts in a digestible way, as well as offering philosophy for you to go deeper into the layers of your own consciousness. In this podcast, we're chatting with Dr. Daniel Kion, a registered medical doctor and a licensed acupuncturist. Due to his comprehensive education, he's able to bridge the apparent gap between the traditional Chinese medicine understanding of the body and the Western allopathic medicine perspective. He's the author of two amazing books, Spark and the Machine, and his most recent book, The Uncharted Body. Very excited to have him with us now for a chat and to help clear up some of the Chinese whispers that have permeated our beliefs as yin yoga teachers and TCM practitioners. Just letting you know, this podcast was actually released secretly a week before the public release. If you'd like to get your hands on this podcast or YouTube classes a week earlier than everybody else, all you need to do is head over to livingin.com, subscribe to the mailing list, and get an exclusive sneak preview delivered fresh into your mailbox a week before everybody else. So welcome back to part two of my interview with Dr. Daniel Kion. First of all, I just want to apologize for the massive break between part one and part two. Obviously, with COVID raging around the world, it raged my own little corner of the world and it became quite distracting. And instead of spending all my time podcasting, I put my energy into opening an integrative health clinic in Sydney, Australia. That's now up and off the ground, so I can put my energy back into podcasting, which is awesome. And so I'm stoked to bring you part two. In this episode, we're going to delve into the relationship between the six divisions, the Lu Jing, and a developing embryo. What qi, or this electricity that pulsates through the fascia, has to do with gene expression of this embryo? What has this all got to do with the triple energizer? And finally, what are the mistranslations in yin yoga and Chinese medicine that have created this barrier to understanding all of this today? Hope you enjoy. And going back to the embryo before, you're talking about how there is this um, a, a bioelectricity running through it. But I, I remember you were talking about there was some like communication centers or nodes that ultimately be, become acupuncture points. Yeah, is this so correct? When so this was embryological theory was very very interested in uh, has been interested in over hundred years and how the embryo spontaneously grows and organizes itself so this is is the ultimate mystery of of the body in fact actually we all start from a single cell and then that cell divides 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 you know thousands of times until you have like a, a hundred trillion cells but 
these hundred trillion cells all started from the same place, but they are now all doing different things. So the question is, how do they know what they're supposed to be doing and where they're supposed to be doing it? That's now you most people probably have never even asked that question. In fact, most doctors have never even asked that questions. But within embryological science, this is a this is like the question. This is the big question. How the hell does the embryo know how to become what it becomes? And so they looked into this hundreds of years ago and they what they found was that there were certain points on the embryo where if you transplanted that point as it was growing and put it onto a, another embryo, you would effectively um, get, for instance, another head growing. Yeah, and this was a very famous experiment called the Spemann experiment by a guy who got a Nobel Prize for this, uh, where he grew two salamander heads on the same salamander. And what he said was that there are certain places within the embryo where, which organise, which organise the growth of the embryo. And he called these organising centres. And, um, and for this he got a Nobel Prize. Then what happened was that somebody else worked out that between these organising centres there were chemicals being released called morphogens and morpho means uh, form gen is creator so these were chemicals that created form within the embryo and the first one that was identified was called sonic hedgehog and that was uh, done by a woman called Christine Nuslem Volhard and she got a Nobel Prize for this as well so effectively what at this point and this was late 21st hang on, 20th century, <laughs> like in the 1990s. At this point, they'd kind of gone, okay, now we, we, we seem to have half cracked this mystery, yeah? We've got like, how does the embryo grow? Well, it turns out that you've got these organizing centers and between these organizing centers, chemicals um, get secreted and that tells the embryo how to form. Apart from the fact that it, it didn't really explain what was controlling this process. It, it it described the process, but not what was controlling it. So the, an equivalent would be um, somebody describing how a television works, but not where the programs come from. Yeah, so it's like you can explain, oh, well, there's light, there's electricity, and it, it makes light bounce around. But it's like, yeah, but where's the program coming from? Who's, who's putting, like, the news on and stuff? And that's the same with the embryo. It was like the, the system it used for growing the embryo was there but not where the program was coming from and the obvious answer is oh it's genes people say oh it's genes but that doesn't really explain it either because who's what's selecting what genes anyway what's becoming apparent in the last 10 years or so is that the thing that is controlling the growth of the embryo which is controlled through organizing centers which are little places in the embryo where the growth is coordinated from and morphogens is an electrical force. So there's an electrical force that appears to effectively be holistic. In other words, it's a part of the embryo, a whole part of the embryo that is spontaneously just creating the order within the embryo. And that, of course, we know what that is, that's chi. So then this um, like chi or this uh, electricity is then telling the genes how to express themselves, yeah, is that right? That's it, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't like to get I, I see genes as, um, um, so I, I, personally I see the genetic code as like a book that, that just needs, that, that needs to be read. 
Um, and but yeah, the the electrical force appears to be yeah effectively telling the genes what genes to be read and do you see how now you start to think okay well this isn't dumb electricity is it this isn't just like you know frankenstein style you know kind of let's just attach i'll tell you what like truth's lacking a bit of energy at the moment could could do with you know a bit more let's just attach him to the electrical mains you know (laughs) it's not like that it's it's like electricity that's it's got a life force attached to it that can do this so so that's where and you get to this point where you're just like well i can't really i i, I can't really explain this anymore i mean this is godlike that's so interesting because i've always thought it was the genes that decided how the body organized itself and it wasn't it's it's like this electricity that's telling the genes how to express themselves it's kind of like turn my understanding on its head yeah because the genes are just like a book the genes are the genes are like uh that i mean they're 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 not they're not so much dumb but they're they're nothing until they're read you know so what's reading them because the genes aren't doing anything so they need to be read and then proteins need to be made from the genes and then those proteins then change the function of the cell but it it's not like the genes the the genes are just sitting there anyway so they're not they're not kind of living in that sense so then is this, is this like, I know that was in the embryological stage, but is this functional system, is this still present in our bodies now? Yeah. So you, earlier on, you spoke about like the different types of chi. So this, this chi that we're, so one of the, one of the things I always check is that when I come up with these ideas and, and these ideas, I didn't really come up with them. They're just the truth that have been written down for thousands of years in Chinese medicine. But I always like to make sure that, like, I'm not really disagreeing with anything the Chinese have, have written. And um, so, and it's very difficult to get a lot of this information faithfully because it's all written in ancient Chinese and then the ancient Chinese has to be translated into modern Chinese and modern Chinese has to be translated from my ear into English. Um, and so there's only a few people that I trust, one of them being Wang Juyi. And and the reassuring thing was, you know, this in Wang Juyi, if you read his book, Jason Robinson, he does say, oh, yeah, this this energy required in growing the embryo, which is then moves through the triple burner. So this is the original Yuan Qi that's moving through the triple burner. And then the triple burner then distributes this yuan chi to all the organs and then the the chi within the organ is then specific to that chi within the organ you know so then so so yes this is a different chi to for instance the it's the same electromagnetic force yeah but it's like house building chi yeah and then basically once the house is built it's like um it sets up so you can have bathroom chi and bedroom chi and kitchen chi yeah but the the uh the chi we're talking about in the embryo the chi that uh grows the body is like this kind of house building chi that's very very it's actually the most powerful chi of all and it moves through the triple burner the fascial system okay so then that's uh, because i know all my students always ask me what is the triple burner so the triple burner is just the fascial system yeah 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 it's that simple in my mind it's it's just fascia um it's um it the the organ with a name but no form 
yeah. as the uh, classic of difficulty says. And and it's uh, um, I mean, it's interesting. You can often find I found this video from thirty years ago with this Chinese guy uh, talking about the triple burner, and he was just like, "Ah, triple burner is easy to understand. It's just fascia." And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> hang on a second. Oh, well, I'm glad that wasn't better known because otherwise I couldn't have written a book about it. <laughs> but 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 it's kind of I, I you know this stuff is this stuff is has been known about. I think I think what's happened is that like there's a lot of good people out there who've done their best, um, myself included. I, I I hope you know a good person who's done their best. Um, but we're still in the very early stages of effectively Chinese medicine in the West, yeah? And, and what's happened, look at Georges Soulier de Morant and his translation of Jing Lo into Meridians. Now, in no way did he, was he, he, he was just doing the best job he could of translating two words that have no English equivalent. I mean, the only way to faithfully translate them would be to use Jing Lo. That's the only way you can faithfully do it, yeah? Even channel system doesn't correctly do it connective tissue network is better but it's a bit of a mouthful and so he did the best job he could of translating this and this is what's still going on now people um you know uh masiochia for instance i think that's how you pronounce this so i i saw this interesting thing at uh, him so the um con the what's called the ren mai the conception vessel yeah i call it the yoke vessel personally um and and it's like the character for the ren mai in no way means conception and masioki actually um i saw something where he actually turned around and went yeah that was a mistake we made a mistake we translated it wrongly we thought we we basically got the characters mixed up and and and, and we thought that this was um this was conception but somebody looked at it wrong and it was actually very similar to the character for conception but no it doesn't mean that at all no it doesn't mean that and so there's lots of stuff like that in chinese medicine of, of like effectively mistranslations errors all of that stuff so i'm always like very I, I i try to be very careful about like when i look at stuff making sure that the translations are accurate but more important than that is what i'm doing and this got me into like conflicts with uh, uh, what i call the fundamentalists within chinese medicine is is i look at the body so my thing is i'm, I'm looking at the body going what is going on in the body yeah and then what are the chinese trying to describe within the body so so not what are the chinese trying to describe in their books yeah because that's books the the chinese weren't describing books they were describing the body and the body realistically has not changed from now to three thousand years ago it's the same body yeah <laughs> and it will be in three thousand years time and so when they talk about the triple burner it's like well what is there in the body that could that could be you know firstly it's got to be an organ that that we don't have in the West or don't acknowledge as an organ in the West, yeah. Secondly, it's real. Like, none of this stuff that the Chinese are describing is, is like, none of it is airy-fairy. It, it's all 100% real. They're describing real things. They're very pragmatic, the Taoists, aren't they? Taoists are incredibly pragmatic. Um, 
And then they use this, like, you know, archaic phrase, the organ with a name but no form. And then it's like, okay, well, this, this just appears to be fascia then. This would make perfect sense, and it covers it. And then if you look at Wang Juyi's book, he actually talks about the triple burner, and he, he pretty much says everything pretty he, he does actually i'm sure say it's fascia as well in his book yeah it's just the interesting thing is like a bit like that 30 year old video of the guy talking about fascia it was like it, it was never kind of made into a big thing you know for whatever reasons it's like that's i suppose that's what my books did is like you know i start off with in sparking the machine about fascia it's just fascia 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 because it's like you if you want to understand chinese medicine if you want to understand how the body works you've got to understand fascia so let's just talk about fascia like non-stop <laughs> well, that would pages. make a lot of yin yogis happy i'm sure that's pretty much all we talk about yeah but then um, it's all it's all there in the but then if you look at the ancient text it is all there but they never use the word fascia because that probably wasn't a word. You know, they called it something else. You have been listening to Living Yin, a podcast by Truth Robinson. So just earlier you were talking about six levels um, and I remember when I did um, your, your course, your, your lecture series, and you were talking about these six levels and how they're in all life forms and you use the example of the jellyfish. And I thought this was really fantastic, really simple way of starting to understand it. And you're talking about how like that sort of outer layer of the jellyfish was the ectoderm, um, which is like the tai yang, which is the bladder and the small intestine layer. And that was more that sort of outer body layer and then the endoderm which was like sort of the inner sort of nourishing like where that jellyfish got its all its nourishment from and you talked about that as the tai yin layer which was the spleen and the lung and then you're also talking about the mesoderm which was like more the circulatory system as well and then how inside that was kind of all the other six layers but you could divide it up in a very clear uh, way which was amazing and i'll put some pictures up for everybody later so make sure you go to the website and check it out but is you're also saying that this is very similar to the body and how the body is actually organized as well is this true yeah yeah so so the key problem as uh, all of medicine and understanding the body is complexity everything just gets complex so easily so quickly that you've got to somehow make it simpler in order to to understand it and so in the spark of the machine i talk about like embryology and about how you can understand how the body is designed and works according to embryological principles and i tried to do that again in the uncharted body but what i realized was that actually embryology just doesn't really understand um, how things are working when the body is really, really tiny. You, you just imagine like when you're, I, I don't know the exact size, but say when you're about a, a billion cells, you're about a millimeter size and you're growing. And how do you even study that? Because in order to take a picture of that with an electron microscope, you've got to kill it. So you, you can't see things living. So what it occurred to me was that instead of looking at embryology, I could look at how animals organize themselves because there's this idea that we all came from jellyfish in fact that that our common the common ancestor of all animals was the jellyfish and that 
effectively we would still have that same basic form as a jellyfish, just more complex. And in fact, this is accepted kind of evolutionary theory. Um, so if you look at uh, a jellyfish, the interesting thing is that a jellyfish effectively really does appear to be kind of the same as us in many ways. It's got an outside, which is the skin. It's got the inside, which is like the intestinal tract. And it's got a middle. Now, it only has a very primitive middle, which is the jelly. Yeah, whereas our middles are much more complex. But but this is the jellyfish effectively has three layers. So the outside or tai yang, uh, which is made out of ectoderm, the inside or tai yin, which is made out of endoderm, and the middle, which is called the mesoglea. And what that does is give you a, a simple framework for understanding how organisms function at the most basic level and what an organism needs to do is to be able to take in nutrition um, through the inside through the the tie-in and it needs to be able to protect itself from the outside which is the skin and tie yang and then in the middle the jelly is where the kind of interesting stuff goes on what happened with animals as they got bigger and more advanced is that the as the distance between the inside and the outside grows, basically the organism needs a heart to pump the nutrition between those two places, between the inside and the outside. Otherwise the outside just gets too far away from the inside and effectively can't get nutrition. The skin's too far from the gut, can't get nutrition and dies. And so you get this heart developing and the heart starts pumping stuff around and effectively that middle layer that's just a jelly and jellyfish ends up splitting into four layers that uh, then correspond in total to six layers which is the six divisions of uh, that Chinese medicine describes and this is this six division model of how the body works is a fairly accepted uh, model of how higher animals from and by higher animals I mean anything above an earthworm uh, is, is considered a higher animal really they have six divisions and and these um, these then allow allow the uh, the organism to get more complicated so what that means from our point of view is that we we don't have to get we don't have to start dividing everything up you know non-stop you know which is what western medicine does so in other words like if you look at the thyroid gland it lives in exactly the same division embryological division or as as the lung which is makes sense because the thyroid gland is the messenger system of the lung yeah and this is within the tie-in or endoderm they're both derived the lung and the and the thyroid and also the pancreas in fact and the lining of the intestinal tract are all derived from this same layer as the in internal layer in the jellyfish the endoderm and what that means is that all of these things effectively behave in a very similar way and and can be um, treated acupuncture wise anyway on the with the same points because they're all in the same division, all in the same layer, and they will all behave in very similar ways. And this is true also within Western medicine. So, for instance, this, um, I don't know if you've heard about this coronavirus pandemic that we've had recently. 
I don't know how much it's affected you in Australia. <laughs> um, but it, it fact, one of the interesting things was, so it affects the lungs, yeah? And then the other big organ it affects is the pancreas or, or diabetes, effectively. And people who are diabetic are very vulnerable to this. Now, this makes perfect sense within our six divisions because these two, pancreas and lungs, and uh, are within the same division. So this bug has a predilection for affecting this division. It gets into this division and affects it. And it also tends to cause diarrhea, which is again within this division. And and you could go further and you would say, actually, that I would expect this um, organism to cause problems with the thyroid gland too. What about, because I saw that they were also talking about how it affects like heart cells as well. Yeah, Just... well, it, it coronavirus, the COVID, yeah, well, yeah. So, the thing is, so then, does that have a pairing as well? Well, no. What what it would do is is well, as the disease gets more serious, it crosses divisions, so it mm. starts moving across. So if it if it if it's just what the body will try and do is keep it within contained within the division, yeah. So it won't. It, it doesn't want it to get out. But then if it gets out, it can get into. So heart cells is shall in. I mean that's bad news if it's if it's affecting that and um it will I mean I I just I'm just getting over it actually and and um so the first thing I noticed actually was uh it uh headache and uh muscle aches which is actually tai yang so so um it was definitely in my tai yang and then it moved into um, then it definitely ended up in Tai Yin or like lung and I'm still a bit nasally you can probably hear um, and um, and also I had a little bit of uh, like things were a bit loose for a day or so 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 that 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 had then moved into this other so it started off on the outside and Tai Yang giving me muscle aches and a bit of a headache and and I, I, the other interesting thing was I felt very cold but I wouldn't sweat so that's a classic sign of um, invasion, actually. It, it, it knots, it, it, it's described as knotting up the pores and it stops the pores opening. So you've actually, when that happens, you've got to encourage sweating. Um, and there's something called twinamin, cinnamon twig decoction that you can take. And then, um, uh, but then it moved into the Tai Yin division and, and, you know, gave me a little bit more um like nose so again the nose is you know because this is part of the division the nose is is the lining of the nose is makes is exactly the same cell line as makes the lungs as makes the thyroid as makes the pancreas um as makes the intestinal tract um so this so to go back to the jellyfish the the idea behind the jellyfish uh, or using the jellyfish is that if we can get a grip on how very very basic organisms animals function yeah then once we start to look at our own bodies um and because they're, they're, they're immensely more complicated then we can hopefully have a bit of a grip on how our, our own bodies function and as said it's not that different to the jellyfish we also have an intestinal tract to take in goodness we have a skin to protect us from the outside that also functions strangely as a bladder but that's to explain that that requires a bit of work um, and then in the middle 
the the jelly the equivalent of our jelly which is interesting because you know that's what fascia is fascia is basically a jelly the 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 fascia is uh, je jelly the jelly of jellyfishes is, is practically indistinguishable from fascia it's exactly mm. the same stuff and um and but that jelly then is is has got got more layers or more divisions in it to enable um all the complexity that we take for granted you know being able to like put in uh different types of food being able to walk around all of those kind of things you know uh, required uh, more divisions more complexity than a jellyfish but the mm. but the basic the basic um uh, blueprint is the same yeah, like that complexity and that explanation that you had for the jellyfish and like seeing it in that form and seeing how we developed in that way was really revolutionary for me, for me to start to actually understand the six divisions for the first time. Because I know that was something that was always like, why six divisions? Like, why did we talk about this? And you always talked about, you know, the five elements uh, quite commonly. But then when I started to, to have it explained to me in that way, it was really amazing. So I could see it in that way. So I appreciate um, that explanation. So thanks very much for that. I loved it. Now, just a couple of little things. I know that my students quite often ask me about things like dampness, like invariably you're talking about like, you know, what was going on in the lung and the spleen and how like you felt like you're a bit clogged up. And you mentioned the term phlegm earlier. Now, um, in Chinese medicine, we have those two terms of phlegm, like the substantial phlegm and the insubstantial. And both of that is like fluid that's congealing, you know, so it's not moving anymore. So it's creating that phlegm and I can explain that usually pretty well to my my students and they kind of get it but one of the ones that I find difficult to explain to people is this idea of wind could you explain that for us yeah so wind is so I describe wind as abnormal movement of energy um, there's a good book I'm reading at the moment by Claude uh, Elizabeth de la Roche, Rochard de la Vallée, I think her name is. And yeah, Claude, I, I know you're somewhere about. they're French. <laughs> anyway, they were talking about like wind and they were saying that the Taoists said that wind didn't even have to move. That wind, that wind, ha wind could have just been the, the nothingness, wind. And and I'm like, yeah, well, that's Taoism for you, isn't it? <laughs> but but my my take on wind is that it's, abnormal movement of energy so chi is healthy movement of energy chi yeah? is intelligent energy organized energy yeah? wind is i see it as abnormal movement of energy so um and obviously that will affect chi most because wind's going to affect the wind will blow abnormal movement of energy will blow around normal movement of energy most easily won't it because they're both insubstantial they're both kind of um you know whereas wind wind has to be a lot stronger to blow uh blow something physical down so where would you see this so this is why you see wind most clearly in places where there's high energy or, or, or energy moving around is very important which is where the brain you know so that's convulsions you see wind you know the convulsions are just a perfect example of wind you know if you actually looked at the person having convulsions it would appear that they were being blown around by some kind of internal wind if you actually look at an EEG of their brain during a convulsion then instead of this lovely like pattern of 
um, you know, regular coordinated electrical activity, it would be random movement of, uh, you know, like all over the place, wind, as though as though the as though the energy in the brain itself was being blown around by wind. And it's the same in the heart as well. If you if you look at the heart, the heart can get very affected by wind too. So a normal ECG is nice and rhythmic and um, coordinated, and and that coordinated movement of energy then gets transcribed into a coordinated movement of blood. Uh, chi is the mother of blood, or, or chi chi commands blood. But then when you get wind in there, wind being abnormal movement of energy, then the wind gets into the heart and it starts blowing it around and the heart itself instead of having a nice coordinated uh, pumping action it it starts to be all over the place and you get something called um you can get fibrillation which is you know fibrillation is almost uh, a description of wind itself mm, and this is when we use the defibrillator the defibrillator yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. So they, they, they then put in, it's like the analogy I use with that, it's like using a, um, when they blow out uh, oil, when, when oil pipes are on fire and they use an explosion to blow it out. You know, so, um, yeah, so that's wind is abnormal movement of energy. That's how I kind of see it. And, and you know, Got so it. you can have like a tremor that would also be abnormal movement of energy as well. Yeah, and they talk about that with epilepsy too, don't they? When they talk about how like that abnormal uh, brain uh, firing of electricity within the brain, that's also going to be shown in the ECG for epilepsy, and that's how we categorize epilepsy in Chinese medicine. Yeah, as well as wind. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I love that how it keeps coming back into this electricity. It's it's really fascinating. Well. Thank you so much for sharing this incredible knowledge with us today. Um, I think I've learned so much, but I think I've also got many more questions. So I think I'm going to go pick up your book and uncharted body and go through it a little bit more detail. Um, but it's, it's incredible to have your perspective and to have the opportunity to look at the body in two different ways and to see that overlap coming together. And, and um, yeah, TCM community is very grateful for it. And the yin yoga community has an, beautiful opportunity now to work with a, a bit more of a foundational understanding of what that TCM terms, traditional Chinese medicine terms means in Western medicine as well. So thanks so much for, for spending your time with us today. Thank you, Truth. And um, yes, yeah, stay warm or stay cool. <laughs> <laughs> stay cool. It's hot in Australia. <laughs> what an honor to have Dr. Daniel Kion share his wisdom and knowledge with us. If you guys want to learn more from him, there's links in the show notes to Dr. Daniel Kion's books, Spark and the Machine and The Uncharted Body. Also, just letting you know, my latest training for Sydney 2022 in December is open for registrations now. Or if you're unable to get to Sydney and you'd like to train online, my online teacher training is up and available as well. Go to livingin.com for more information. Thanks for joining me. I'm Truth Robinson. You can follow me on Instagram at Truth Robinson or practice with me on my YouTube channel or train with me either online or in person. Either way, go to livingyin.com to learn more. One last thing. 
by submitting a review on iTunes, you are giving the gift of this podcast to so many people. And even though I love seeing all the beautiful reviews, and honestly, I really do, it's way more exciting to know that your review is now stimulating so many yin yoga journeys all around the world. That has to be the easiest gift you have ever given. 